This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. This, this series has been a lot of fun, and we've been looking at what does it mean daring to imagine, like daring to imagine. And I love that word daring because it is a dare. It's a dare. I, I think so much of the time when we get caught in survival mode, little aside, how many of us have been in survival mode over the last few months? <laughs> you know, a lot of us. When we get into survival mode, it's hard to imagine. I mean, when you're just trying to survive, when you're just trying to make sure the water doesn't move from here to here, it's hard to imagine, you know, and, and that's, why I need, that's why I think we need to come back to how are we going to dare to imagine? And what we're daring to imagine today is kind of an interesting topic. A life of gentle answers. A life of gentle answers. Now notice the words I used there. I said a life of gentle answers. Does it have the word easy in that? No, it does not have the word easy. Like, this is not about easy answers. This is about gentle answers and how those look. So to get us kind of started in thinking about this, like one of the things I love is that, is that we already know a lot of this. And, and I, I want to sort of activate that part of your brain. I want to sort of hear what you already know. And I want to do that through this question. In your life, what is a gentle answer given to you by God? Answer in the chat or text Chuck at 215-740-3662. So your life has had challenges because you're a human being. So through those challenges, no doubt you've had a gentle answer there at some point in time. What was that gentle answer given to you by God? And you can either throw it in the chat on on the live stream, or you can text it into me again, 215-740-3662. You know, gentle answers, meeting my true soulmate. Even if our time together was short, this was a beautiful one. All will be well. And that, that quote goes on, all will be well in all manner of well. Any time I'm stressed and get a big neck hug from my kids, it's good. God told me to reconnect with New Church Live, a gentle nudge that I was open to. Heard a gentle answer of what I needed to do after losing my job after 34 years. He suggested I stop drinking. The way my smile makes people feel. That's beautiful. We can be part of that. Boy, my buddy Matt up in, up in Maine who embodies this to the core, to stand firm. Another one, I asked God what to do next. He generally said, keep going. That's a great Winston Churchill quote, right? If you find yourself in hell, what do you do? Keep going. Two beautiful daughters, after God unexpectedly took their father in a horrific accident at the age of 27, but he left behind two beautiful girls at the age of one and two. My son's premature baby was healthy, yes. Be not afraid, be still, and know that I'm God. Beautiful. My gentle answer is to live, be kind, and good to, good to myself. I can't help others if I'm not in a good place myself. Embrace the challenges as they foster our growth and help us cherish the good times even more. Those are beautiful answers, and there's some other ones, and some other ones will come in throughout the service. Those are very beautiful answers. Those are the gentle answers where God speaks, right? Like, right there. And I want to say, like, it's, it's not that we come to those answers easily. Life is, indeed, a struggle. And, and I feel we get, we get constantly pulled away from gentle answers into polarities. And, and I think those polarities, you know, they're easier, they're comfortable, and they help us to feel sort of in this crazy way entitled. 
They're easier, they're more comfortable, and they help us to feel in this kind of crazy way, and I think from a new church perspective, that's the voice of hell, that we're somehow entitled. We're entitled to that rightness, to that righteousness in our lives. And what does that mean in the end? You know, if, if we're really, really like moving away from gentle answers into, into polarities, try this on, folks. I think what happens, I think what starts to happen is that we become unavailable to our lives. We become unavailable to our lives. We're certainly not available to other people. We're certainly not available to anyone who sees the world differently than us, which would be the rest of humanity. But we're stuck, and we're, we're stuck in that very deeply unavailable place. And then what starts to happen with dialogue, and I was thinking about this myself, was, you know, what we do is that, that then dialogue breaks down, and instead of having conversation, what we do is we look over the scan of words coming through across our radar, and we look for that one little gap where we can insert our opinion. Where's that little gap where I can insert my opinion? I, again, it's, it's, it's sort of, um, it's easy to sort of take on social media these days because it's such a big target. But it is a big target because of how we use it. And, and you look at how much of social media is just directed towards like this, inserting our opinion. Inserting our opinion is very, very different than a life of gentle answers. Now, I want to I talk about this some, folks, you know, in terms of, of, of the dangers of when we, just, when we just get too into polarities and we get too comfortable with polarities. When we get too comfortable with it, there's, there's a lot of challenges. And I want to share three ideas with you here. These are worthy of screenshotting, I think, because they're not only important at a, at a community level. In other words, if communities start to get into these, these dire polarities... Communities will struggle with these things. But, but they'll also struggle in our relationships. I want to say that again. We'll also see these struggles in our relationships. So as you look at these, you will see like, oh yeah, you know, when I, when I had a big argument or big blowout with this person or that person or that group, you know, of course this is exactly what happened. I mean, it's kind of a universal pattern and a pattern so worthwhile for us to get clear on. So let's take a look at that, folks. The stronger the conflict, the more the rich texture of the social world disappears. So I want to sit at that one just for a second. The more the rich, rich texture of the social world disappears. In other words, we no longer see the world as all these threads that are weaving together, all these different voices and notes and the music and the, and the symphony that is the human experience. We lose all that rich texture. They just don't have it anymore. And then what's the second thing that happens? The more a stark exclusionary polarity, in other words, a binary, this or that, yes or no, zeros or ones, emerges around which all thought and practice align itself. So in other words, you get this polarity, and then it quickly becomes, are you this or are you that? And, and you know, I even think about this with the church. Like, like one of my hosts would be New Church Live, never gets asked that question, like, well, are you this or are you that? No, we're actually a Christian church who's trying to practice the third way. It's something that avoids this idea of these stark exclusionary polarities that are also hard to move through. And the last one, the less gentle we become. There's no gentle answers here. Folks, just think, and, and it's, it's like, 
It's like I do it. I imagine most of us do it. When we get into arguments or debates with the people we most love in the world, and it starts to get heated, do we tend to be gentle in those moments? <laughs> no. Well, if you say yes, please see me. I want to talk to you. <laughs> it's really hard. We get into these prayers, and, and there, there's times, again, folks, where, where I want to be clear. Like, sometimes it's us, sometimes it's a loved one. But, but regardless of kind of who starts it, we both somehow end up there into these polarities. And then as we, we reach out for our polarities, these stark opposites, what happens is that we double down on more and more stark opposites. Once we're into that place, and, and I say this all the time to couples, I've said it in here before, no couple has ever gotten into that stark polarity place or, or, or just a debate with anybody and had the other person go like, time out. I've reconsidered my opinion. You're completely correct. You know, it just, just doesn't, it doesn't happen. So how is it that we find this other way? How do we do it? And... We know, right, like you know with your loved ones, you know the words that will instantly create a polarity. Right? You know exactly what those words are. You could write them or text them to me right now. So we got to give up that language, right? That's the sacred no. Like how do we give up the language, polarizing language? And there's a real simple one there, which is just instead of meeting statement with statement, meet statement with question. And then we have to do this other thing. The will to embrace. I want us just all to take a breath right there. If you hear nothing else from me today, hear that phrase. The will to embrace. That's Miroslav Wolf. That's the idea of the will to connect, the desire to connect. Now I'm going to come down and sit down over here because I think it's so important. So I give up the language. And then I move to a very different place where, where I'm sitting in a different place now. So I'm not looking for the polarities. I'm not looking for the rehearsed arguments. I'm not, I'm not looking for, for where can I insert my opinion with the greatest amount of force possible or volume possible or silent treatment possible. I'm not looking to insert my opinion anymore. You've got to get rid of that idea. Like you're, here to, you're in this life to insert your opinion. Have your opinion. Share your opinion. Just don't have as an agenda to insert your opinion. Instead, think about this will to embrace. And this will to embrace, Miroslav Wolf, amazing, amazing theological professor up at Yale, writes some beautiful books. If you really like Teddy Theology, he's a guy to read. And, and Wolf said, like, yeah, you know what, what Christianity, for Christianity to work, the very heart, soul, being of Jesus' message was this will to embrace. This desire to connect. And that, of course, for a lot of us brings up the question, well, what about all the, all, the, all the theology and everything? Yeah, of course there's theology around that. But it comes from this beating heart. It's the will to connect. Now, what is that will to embrace? Please, please listen carefully to this. I've preached on it a few times, but I think especially in times like this, it becomes even more important for us to reinforce it. The will to embrace means I see you before I see my opinion about you. 
the will to embrace means I see you, and I see you, and I see you, before I see my opinion about you. It's where I embrace your humanity before I embrace any judgments. Now just think about that for a minute, folks. What if we loved other people more than we loved our opinion about other people? Could work for ourselves, too. What if we loved ourselves more than we loved our opinion about ourselves? That idea of that will to embrace can be incredibly powerful. And then what starts to happen there, folks, is then, is then we, can, we listen from a very different place. We listen from a spirit of generosity. A spirit of those gentle answers. That's the spirit we listen from. We listen generously. The word obedience, obedire. When God asks for obedience, you know what the word technically means, even though it gets so misconstrued as so many words do? It means to lean in and listen. And I think when God says, like, look, I'm asking for your obedience, he's asking, of course, for us to lean in and listen to him. And, simple, simple equation, if love of God is same as the love of other people, in the new church we say, you want to love God, love other people. You want to love other people, that's how you learn to love God. You know, that means that I'm leaning in to listen with all that I am for other people too. The will to embrace. Where I see them before I see my opinion about them. Now, this, folks, creates a really powerful place where we have to allow others to do this. Change depends on our ability to receive the other into ourselves and undertake a readjustment of our identity in light of that contact. I'm going to re rephrase that. Change depends on our ability to receive the other into ourselves and undertake a readjustment of our identity in light of that contact. Now, what does that mean? That, that doesn't mean that we allow their arguments to change us. This is not about arguing and somehow that intellectual argument changing us, though, though that might happen on occasion. There might be times where the, where the intellectual argument actually changes us. What it's really talking about is allowing their personhood to change our personhood. Just for them as a person. You know, folks, this is, this is, the, dirty, this is the dirty secret, just making sure we're not getting any... Emergency test here. You know, that I, uh, you know, this is it's like so important, right? This is going to be crazy the way I'm going to say this. Not all the ideas are valid. Some ideas, this is me speaking way out of school, are stupid. <laughs> they just are. And it's not about if, if somebody comes to you with an idea that's just not a good idea, plain and simple. That the will to embrace means that we have to accept that idea to accept them. No. It means we accept them. And maybe their personhood changes us some, but maybe we never come to see the world that way. You know, the idea that all ideas are the same and of equal value, what that's called, Robert Coles had a great phrase for it. He said that's, that's naive egalitarianism. It's naive because not all ideas are the same. 
And again, as a history teacher, I can tell you tons of people who had bad ideas from Hitler on down that just were incredibly destructive. And it's not about like saying all ideas are valid. It's about, about, about understanding and accepting somebody's humanity. I see you before I see my opinion about you. That's the will to embrace. Now I'm going to step back over here and, and look, at a, look at a Bible story that, that talks about that some. A beautiful Bible story that gives us a great, a great idea about what it's like to find through this, to find a gentle answer, even though it might not necessarily be an easy answer. So I want to take a look here at a, at a story that, that Jesus offers us. And it's a beautiful story, and it kind of goes together, this story. And, and just an FYI, as an aside, for those of you who don't know, we've been doing little morning kind of reflections at 8.30 in the morning. And they're just really brief little reflections. We do them online off of our Facebook page, and we've been working our way through Matthew. Any of you are warmly invited to attend that. Uh, we'll have them the rest of this week, then two weeks off. But it's been wonderful. And just, just getting back into just reading through stories in the Bible... Syriatum in series has been really fascinating. And this is a story, and it's, it's a beautiful story, and, and I want you to see the will to embrace here. I want you to see how Jesus, like, Jesus has this radical hospitality thing going with all kinds of different people. When he was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her, and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. So a little background there. You know, at this time in the world, you didn't have, you've heard me say this before, but for first-timers, it's important. Society didn't have upper class, middle class, lower class. It had a thin veneer of upper class and everyone else. So for an upper class person to come to Jesus, Jesus would have been lower class. That was a big deal. And for Jesus to even somehow listen to this man, that was a big deal as well. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if only I touch this cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. This is a beautiful line. Talk about a gentle answer. Some of you, some of you need to hear these three words. Take heart, daughter. That's a gentle answer right there. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. And that's where we think trust. Just trust that God can do something. And the woman was healed from that moment. Again, context there. Twelve years she'd had this, this, this disease and this whatever, we don't know exactly what it was, but whatever it was, she would have been rendered ritualistically unclean. She would have been a pariah. And here Jesus has this beautiful moment of healing. I'll talk a little bit more about it in a moment. When Jesus entered the ruler's host and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, in other words, you hired people to, to mourn, he said, go away, the girl is not dead but asleep. And again, think of Jesus saying that with a smile. But they laughed at him, and the crowd, and after the crowd had been put aside, he went in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up. News of this spread all throughout the region. There's a beautiful part here, folks. So, so, you, so you think about this story. So this story starts with Jesus is approached by this, by this rich man. This rich man says, look, you have to come heal my daughter. You have to come. And folks, just imagine the panic 
at that moment. The frenetic, I mean, if one of your kids was sick, what wouldn't you do? I mean, this was not like, Jesus, I would like to request that you come help. This was a panicked, like, like Jesus, I, we need your help right now. And I kind of picture the, the rich man, because he's used to getting his way, I kind of picture him almost pulling at Jesus. And Jesus going, yep, I'm going to come, I'm going to help. And that's where story gets so beautiful. The will to embrace. And Chill's even saying it. The will to embrace. So Jesus starts walking and this happens. A woman, a pariah of society for 12 years, reaches out, just reaches out and touches. And can you see the little light there? Just touches the hem of his garment. So many, many biblical, biblical stories, a bunch of them in different Gospels. But I love that painting. You know, I love it, I love it. My buddy Bill Leahy kind of pointed me onto that painting. That is a beautiful painting. You almost see echoes there of da Vinci's Christ, God, excuse me, God touching Adam in that moment of creation of breath. You almost see that in that beautiful painting there as well. Folks, and just, just think about the lesson there, right? The rich young man, his daughter has died. He's frantic. He's like, you have to help me. You have to help me. You have to help me. And here's this beautiful piece where Jesus allows for an interruption to take place. Think about that. I want to skate over that. Where Jesus allows for an interruption to take place. The will to embrace. This was a woman who many people would have had many opinions, quote unquote, about her. Here's Jesus going, I love you more than my opinion. I love my opinion about you. Like it's it's that, that lived moral experience right there. And you think about how beautiful that would have been as well. As beautiful as that would have been. For the, uh, you know, for, for, the, for the woman and then for everybody around just to see like, oh, part of this is allowing our lives to be interrupted. Now, it's interesting, again, that Jesus uses this beautiful line. Take heart, daughter. He doesn't, it's interesting, Jesus uses a lot of language around brothers, sisters, friends. He does not use language about you are my son, you are my daughter. I am your father. Doesn't use that language. Matter of fact, I did not do a Bible study on this, but I think this is the only time he makes this kind of reference. Take heart, daughter. And, and, and this is an aside. It just is like one that I, I think, you know, as the Bible was put together, they're trying to like say, how do we capture this message of who Jesus was? And, and you think about Jesus offering that to this woman who's been healed after 12 years of this disease. And he's saying, take heart, daughter. And you think the way that rich ruler would have heard that, whose daughter has just passed. A gentle truth. A very gentle answer. Take heart, daughter. And that takes heart, she touches him. Now, we go on to the second part of the story. Isn't that a beautiful painting? Just beautiful. And we see Jesus go in. Instead of her touching him, it's him touching her. 
holding her hand. And she comes back to life. The will to embrace there, folks, is so true on so many levels. We see Jesus both going from this rich ruler to this, to this woman who was in absolute pride. Like he literally went to the complete extremes, complete demographic extremes. He said we can find healing in this whole thing. Like he, he, it's not that he's judging the pieces. He's putting his arms around the whole thing. That's the view of God. You know, that's why, again, we, we think of, of, of Jesus as sort of God with skin on. That's, that's, the, that's the incarnation of God. That's the way God looks. Here's an idea from, from New Church. God is love itself, mercy itself, goodness itself. I want to say that again. God is love itself, mercy itself, goodness itself. But God is all those things. This is how Manuel Silver is trying to capture God. And he doesn't use the word judge in there. Love itself, mercy itself, goodness itself. One of the interesting quotes that Emmanuel Swedenborg offered with the same concept was he said, imagine if the Lord, in other words, if Jesus, God, regarded evil with anger and good with mercy, how crazy that would be. So I, I read that, and it was just kind of like this funny check. Yeah, like, yeah, who would think that God could somehow just be angry with the baddies and totally happy with the goodies? And I'm thinking, like, actually, you know what? That's not crazy at all. That's exactly how I think. You know, I divide it that way. And the idea that God doesn't is amazing. Why God doesn't do that? Because God is love itself and mercy itself and good itself. That division, you know, anytime we divide, that the word, you know, the ancient word for that is the word diabolical. It needs to be divided. Now, again, it's always important to say as, as a caveat, like, like, of course there's evil in the world and we're to confront it. Of course, people do bad things in the world and they need to be held accountable for those things. This is not, again, naive egalitarianism. But it means underneath it all, please listen. It means underneath it all, as Christians, our primary goal is to embrace the humanity of the other. That will give you the gentle answers. When you embrace the humanity of the other. Now, we heard that in the, in the beautiful things you folks, you folks, uh, you know, you folks texted in. I love the dad who said, yeah, when my kids come and give me a big neck hug. What they're doing, they're, they're not embracing their opinion about their dad. They're embracing their dad. And that person who said, yeah, you know what? I've kind of learned the will to embrace for myself. I don't embrace myself who I am. There's great beauty in that as well. You know, a gentle, a gentle answer there that's, that's incredibly important. Now, as we do these things, folks, it's important to remember, again, that, that we, we will not do it perfectly. It's just, it's, it's an impossible thing. You won't go out of here 
singing songs, thinking, I got this will to embrace thing down. Like, it takes time. The most challenging time to remember it will be the next argument you have with somebody you love. (laughs) And can you just, in that moment, can you just breathe and just think, will to embrace the gentle answer. Will to embrace the gentle answer. My job is to love them more than I love my opinion about them. And hell, of course, we say it in here all the time, heaven whispers, hell shouts. Hell will shout that, nope, you need to break this thing into binaries. You need to rent that fabric. You need to be stark. Maybe there are a handful of times like that in our life. Maybe. Maybe. But I would venture to say they're a lot less than our egos would tell us are necessary. I remember for myself, you know, working my way through some some 12-step work, and I was sure it was now the time to have this really harsh conversation with this person. And I remember literally using the word figuratively, of course, like, yeah, I, I feel like I've got my sword. I'm ready to, like, not cut them, but ready to cut this thing off. And like, boom. And, and... He kept on saying, not yet. And you ready for this, folks? Yet never arrived. (laughs) And I look back and I think, what a blessing. I'm so glad yet never arrived. That's a beautiful thing. The will to embrace. The will to embrace. Now, we don't do it perfectly. And and one of the lines I really like is I love love Anne Lamont. Again, You've been coming to Nutri's Life for a while. You know I quote her frequently because she's so good. Anne Lamont had this beautiful, beautiful statement about what our biggest challenge is. Now, the, the, this, this thing I'm going to read for you here, it started with this. So Anne Lamont had done something which most people have done, which is you write a caustic email about John Smith, and John Smith is so much on your mind that you actually put his name in the carbon copy line or in the send to line. So you end up sending that email. I've done it. I uh, imagine some of you have done it. At least I hope I'm not the only one here who's done it. You know, where we send that email that we really didn't want the other person to see. So, so she had, and this is where Anne Lamott is a stitch. So Anne Lamott had a man come to her who had a lot of challenges. He wanted, he wanted just some, some counseling, some input from her. And then, so she writes her friend this really catty email. And, of course, Carbon copies him. And that's where we pick up this line. And it's a, it's a beautiful, 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 beautiful set of writing here. In the absolute silence and stillness of the early morning, after she sent the email, they came to me, pulled me to my feet, and dusted me off. I made myself coffee, fed the dog, wrote a heartfelt, a heartfelt and contrite email to the man, and asked for his forgiveness. I knew he'd forgive me because he's a good guy, but me... That's the hardest work I do, and I can't do it by myself. As the old riddle goes, what's the difference between me and God? The answer is, God never thinks he's me. (laughs) I need so much help. I hate this. I like to be, this is such a good line, I like to be a helper, the girl valued as the flight attendant to her damaged family. That's a good, that's a good line. When my son was five or six, we were visiting my friends in the city when all of a sudden we heard a tiny distressed voice. We turned toward the sound. Sam had managed to get his head stuck in the slats of a chair he had been clamoring on. 
He stared at us like a dwarf in the stocks of Salem. He said, I need help with me. I live by these words. The two friends had his words calligraphied and framed for us. I have it on my wall of my hoppus. I need help with me. It's <laughs> so true. right? We all need help. We're all just trying the, the best we can to do this will, of, will to embrace. And of course it's going to be challenging. Because we value our opinion about other people, or at least I tend to value my opinion about other people more than I actually value the other person. And we've got to constantly work at that. Valuing the other person more than our opinion about the other person. But we can do that. And our job, of course, is not to get stuck in the enormity of that all. It's to simply do the best we can in the ways we are called. So I want to close with this beautiful little story. Again, as part of this group we've been having going 10 minutes of calm that's been going on in the morning, reading through passages, and it's it's fun when you read through the whole story versus just pick little siloed parts because it gets a much richer context. It's hard to preach that way because there's so much information there. But, but when you're doing it seriatim, you know, one little story at a time, you can see the bigger arc of the story. So, so this, is, this is the story here. And I'm actually going to step over to the tech guys. I'm going to step over onto this carpet here. So the, the story starts with this in this particular part of Matthew. So, so Jesus, Jesus uh, has gathered his disciples, his, his 12 students. And he says, now you're going to become apostles. In other words, you're going to become sent. In other words, he's like slapping the varsity letter on them, giving them the working papers. You're graduated. Go forth and conquer. And, and it's interesting because Jesus constantly through this, it's, it's a little bit of a downer to preach on, actually, this part, because he says, look, the work's going to be horrible. You're going to have everybody's going to be yelling at you. No one's going to like you. This is going to be really hard. And then has comments like, and it's great. And it's, 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 this, it's very much Jesus, you know, you get this sense that he's trying to, like, get them, get them to understand that, look, this journey called life is hard. And just because it is hard, listen carefully, please, doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. It just is hard. When I work with a couple who's really struggling... If I'm at my best, I'm not thinking this is a couple who's really struggling. I'm thinking this is a struggle within a beautiful marriage. Because of course it's hard. Of course it's challenging. So Jesus gives all these lines. And again, you, you think about it. You think about what would your last line be? Like, here he wants to send them out. He's got them all together. He's, he's saying, look, this is going to be really hard. You can do it. You know, da, 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 da. You would think it would, it would end a certain way with like this. You will change the world. That's what I'd be thinking. You will change the world. But that's not how he ends it. Can I read for you how he ends it? So I want to step back over here. This is how he ends it. Beautiful line. He says, very simply, and if, everyone, if, and if anyone gives a little cup of water to one of these little ones, to one of these children, because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. So here's Jesus, all this big talk, all this talk about the epic battle that they're about to engage in. And he closes it by saying, Make sure you give kids a little glass of water. I love that. 
That is so Jesus-y through and through. That's the will to embrace. It's just that simple. Don't allow the enormity of it to paralyze you. Allow the practicality of it to motivate you. Because those little opportunities to, with the will to embrace are always right in front of us. That, that call to the gentle answers are always right in front of us. Let's gather together daring to imagine that world. Daring to imagine that world. Because you know what, folks? When I prayerfully think, What's the general answer I get all the time? It's this. Life is good. Not perfect. Not easy. Not always going the way I want it to. Regardless, life is good. Amen. What I'm going to do now, friends, is I'm going to offer a prayer. After you hear the prayer, you'll have a moment just of quiet reflection. Uh, think through just whatever you want to like hold in your brain and in your heart today. And then we have a great last song about embracing others in our life by these two wonderful brothers. So please join me in a prayer. Lord, as we close this series... Awaken in our hearts, not the fears around survivability, but the passion around imagination. Imagination, Lord, imagination so centered on gentle answers, gentle answers that lead us into this very simple will to embrace, the will to connect. Knowing, Lord, that those connections oftentimes are small, maybe even trivial from a certain perspective but that those connections are always this, important, cherished, meaningful. Help us, Lord, as we go forward into this week to look out there into the world and our fellow human beings and to see their humanity first and to see our opinions about them second. We know, Lord, that you ask us to love our enemies, and maybe at some point in time to reach a blessed time where we no longer even have enemies. Thank you for your presence here among us today. To those online, Lord, help them to know they are cherished and loved. To those here in person, help them to know they are cherished and loved. And above all, help us remember that gentle answer, that life is good. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.